from the book of Acts, and while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise from the Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, uh, you know, it's funny. Many of you know that my father died just about a year ago, last year, in 2019. And maybe this has happened to you before if you've lost somebody that was close to you. But every once in a while, you get a memory of something that you'd completely forgotten about. But it sort of just comes into you at, at sort of strange times. And so this past week, I was shaving, which is when I get all of my very deep theological reflection while I shave. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, I, had a, I thought of a story of a, of a, with my dad, a story that I'll never forget. I had forgotten, but it was reminded to me back when I was in like third grade. So I was probably, what, nine, eight, right in there? Um, my, brother, I, my brother and I lived in Fairfield, Connecticut, right near Lake Mohican and the Black Rock Turnpike. I couldn't tell you where that was, but I remember riding on it. And uh, I didn't drive it third grade. But anyway, I'll never forget, my brother and I were in bed. I was on the top bunk, and Jimmy was on the lower bunk. It's probably one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, and I was awakened suddenly um, by hearing a young man, maybe 20 years old, 18, something like that. Some young kid downstairs banging on our front door, banging as loud as he could. The front door was just below my bedroom window, banging on the front door, terrified and screaming, let me in, let me in, they're going to kill me, help me, right, two o'clock in the morning, third grade, right, so I'm laying there, <laughs> I was awake now, Jimmy was awake below, and then I hear a car pull in, screeching tires, and these kids jump out, and I get up, I can actually see down to where this car pulled up, these kids jump out, I mean like, I don't know, 18, 20 year old kids jump out, and proceeded to run up on my front porch with his kids banging on the door and just beat the snot out of this kid. They're just pummeling away. And so while he's down there being knocked out of his mind with these four or five kids, I couldn't tell you how many, and he's screaming, help me, help me, I was completely terrified. Completely terrified and frozen. And so I yelled out, Dad! His room was across the hall from mine. My mom and dad were across the hallway. Dad! I screamed. And he must have been awakened by this point anyway, because it was really loud. And he comes running into the room. I'll never forget this. Door, door comes flying open. He comes running in. Jimmy and I are both awake. Uh, he goes over to the window. He looks down at what he could see. And he turned around and he said, Boys, stay away from the window. Don't move. I'll be right back. Don't move. I'll be right back. It struck me this past week that these are actually the final words that Jesus says to us on earth. I never thought of this before. I've always, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm learning here too, right? I've preached on Good Friday, right, when Jesus' famous last words from the cross, it is finished. Tell us to, tell us I forget the exact Greek, but it means the culmination of all things. Jesus says on the cross, it is finished, and he dies. Those are not his final words on earth, friends. His final words on earth are, don't move, I'll be right back. It struck me last week that that is the last message Jesus gives us on earth. Stay in the city, Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. Or in other words, don't move. I'll be right back. I'll tell you what happened in a minute. 
But the thing I want you to realize today is not the Feast of the Ascension, <laughs> although we are celebrating it. Incidentally, if you don't know this, the Paschal candle right there is the symbol of Jesus walking around on earth for 40 days from Easter until Ascension Thursday, which was last Thursday. And at the, at the conclusion of the reading of the Gospel for the Ascension, the Paschal ca candle is extinguished, symbolizing Christ ascending back into heaven. And I always say to myself privately, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? But so, so I want to talk a little bit, a, little, a brief snapshot of salvation history to give you, sort of paint the scene here, what's going on. Um, as you know, Easter is 50 day, uh, 40 odd uh, days today. Jesus was raised from the dead. He walked around. He met people, you know, Thomas and Cleopas and the other guy on the road to Emmaus. I guess I called him Bob at one of my sermons. His name's not really Bob. We don't know what it was. But the point being, after this 40 days of Jesus walking around and talking to people, and Paul says at one point, he talks to 500 people at once. Paul says, some are still alive. Go ask them. And then he ascends back into heaven from whence he came. Now let me just stop there for a second and give you a 30-second picture of salvation history. 30-second picture. I want to stop there and make a point that this book, which is a Bible, by the way, this book is a circle. I mean, it's not a circle, it's a rectangle. But I mean, the, the story of Scripture is a great big circle. And I'll prove it to you. I mean, the Bible starts off in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2, right? The first book, what happens? Bam! God creates everything, right? The Garden of Eden. Everything. Space, time, tadpoles, quarks, you name it. Everything God creates. And then, then what he does as the, and he says, it's all good, right? After it's all created. Everything is created, and God says, yeah, this is good. This is Genesis. This is the beginning of the book, right? And then we see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then we see God creates Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where we live with God together. God creates us to live in paradise, in heaven, listen, with him. And then Adam and Eve, as you know, the apple incident, the karpos is the, is the, Greek, the Greek word, uh, they eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and Adam and Eve and all of us, we're all culpable, Paul said, or the writer of the Hebrew says, we're all culpable, that we are all then cast out of Eden, right? Cast out of heaven with God together, a physical place, by the way. Heaven is not uh, uh, just air and space. It's physical, according to Scripture. And then after, this, after we are cast out of Eden, right? Chapter 2, it doesn't take long. And now we live in that, that world right now, a fallen and broken world where you have COVID-19 and, and, you know, joblessness and masks and no see Everything wrong with the world happens as a result of that fall. In other words, we are in a jam. And if you know your scripture, the rest of the Old Testament, and I'm not exaggerating here, Genesis 2, we're in a jam or kicked out of Eden, and then the rest of the Old Testament, all the way through the Old Testament, which is about, oh, I don't know, this much of the book, is all about the story of God's people being in a jam. And their continual falling, trying as hard as they try, man, they just can't do it. Until finally God says, all right, I'm going down, I'm going to fix this once and for all. And Jesus, listen, Jesus leaves the throne. This is really, really important. This is where the circle comes in. Jesus leaves his throne on, on, in heaven, and he comes to earth to be born as a king in a barn, 
That's another, that's Christmas, right? And why does he do that? Well, he tells us. He comes to earth to take away the sins of humanity, mine and yours, to take those sins upon himself, to die in your place and in mine. He's crucified, died, and buried. He descends to the dead. He is resurrected from the dead. He walks around for 40 days, and then today he ascends back to the throne from whence he came. Do you see the circle? The conclusion, of course... At the end of the book, in Revelation, right, the beginning and the end of the book starts with Eden and heaven and ends with the reestablishment of Eden and heaven. It's a circle. Jesus' last words before he ascends back to his throne from whence he came, he says to them, stay put. I'll be right back. I want to show you something here. This is so important. Luke says that as Jesus was ascended into heaven, a cloud, listen, a cloud took him out of the sight. Now, out of their sight. Now, most people have in their mind this image, which those Victorians, man, are always screwing everything up because the Victorians always painted these images of Jesus, right? In a cloud, right? You've seen this before. It's like this flowy Jesus with a big dress, kind of like a Macy's helium balloon. It's broken one of its tethers, you know, floating in the air up in there. And there, there he goes. Look, there he goes. Up, 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 up. I can't help it. Every time I read this text, I'm reminded of a time that Kathy and I took the girls to the Philadelphia Zoo, and if you're a parent, you've done this, I'm sure, and you get your kids helium balloons, right? And they're walking around with their balloon, and inevitably, the balloon line breaks, and the balloon goes up into the air. I think it was Amy, or I think it was Amy actually said, la no, no, there it goes. That is not, that is not what's happening here. The Greek word for cloud, this is so important, friends, so important to stay with me. The Greek word for cloud is the word nephile. And it doesn't mean a cirrus cloud or a stratus cloud or whatever other kind of clouds there are. This nephile, this cloud, is a supernatural cloud. It's a cloud symbolizing God's Shekinah glory. It's, and you see it over and over again in Scripture. You see it in, in the temple when God establishes his place in the temple and, it's, and the temple is filled with smoke. Well, it's not smoke. It's this nephile, this cloud, this cloud of God's presence. Fast forward into the New Testament, Jesus shows us this very thing. He goes on the mount of, to be transfigured before Peter, James, and John. And what happens? Jesus is standing there on the Mount Sinai where the law was given, and he reestablishes the law, right? And he's, he, is, he is there surrounded by this cloud of God's glory. And we see Jesus is not being up in the sky, but this symbolic presence of God around him, this nephile. And, and the scripture says that this, this cloud took him out of their sight. In other words, what I want you to see here, this is really important. When I first read this, gosh, 10 years ago, this changed my whole view of this topic. It's the, this is not Jesus floating up into a cloud somewhere. He's not ascending up into the sky. He is ascending a throne like a king would. I mean, when you read about Queen Elizabeth ascending the throne, nobody has an image of her mind of floating up in the sky, right? Kind of a funny image if you think about it. But to ascend, to ascend in this context is for Jesus to go back onto his throne of glory in heaven to be reseated where he came from. Somehow, and again, this is all um, speculation, this is all projection maybe in some sense, but Jesus is lifted up maybe a foot off the ground and a hole or a wormhole or, I don't know, a gateway or a, a window is punched, if you will. This happens in Scripture too sometimes. 
A window is punched between this world and the next, and the disciples can peer literally into heaven where Christ ascends his throne once again. And before he goes, he says, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. So Jimmy and I, laying in our bedroom, <laughs> back to the story, uh, Back, Jimmy and I are laying in the bedroom listening to this young man just get the snot beat out of him. And it's really, I mean, it's, have you ever heard somebody getting beaten? It's, it's terrifying. And so we cried in terror, right, and fear. Well, I didn't cry. Jimmy did because that's what he does. I was stoic and brave. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget my dad. My dad comes back into the room, and it was probably 15 seconds. It felt like 20 minutes, but it was probably 10 seconds or something. He comes back into the room, I'll never forget this, with a handgun which I didn't know he had, which probably was by design, and uh, a good thing. And he comes back into the room with a handgun. He goes over to the window. He pushes the window up. He points the pistol down at these people on our front porch, and he says something like, and this is edited for television, get off my property or I'm going to shoot you. Now, I now know that's a felony. Don't do that, okay? But uh, he, he literally, he's sticking his hand out the window to to protect his family. He threatens these, these kids. He's going to shoot him to protect this kid getting, his getting beaten. And these people look up. These kids look up. They see my dad hanging out of the window with a pistol. And they get in the car and they take off. And the police arrived almost maybe 30 seconds later. They did catch the kids, by the way. It was a drug deal gone bad is what happened. And the kid did survive. The point I want you to see here is my dad said he was going to come back. And between the time when he left the room and when he came back, I was terrified. But he saved the day. And friends, that is the dynamic we live in right now. Between the time when Jesus says, I'll be right back, and his return. Because you see, someday, Jesus says, unless he's a liar, he tells us the truth, right? And if he tells us the truth, you've got to believe it. He says, listen, sit tight, I'm going to be right back. Next week is Pentecost, which is when this whole process begins. And if you notice, when, when, as Jesus departs from them, the men of, men of Galilee are standing there, you know, completely shell-shocked. What just happened with this hole being punched into heaven and this clouds of God's presence and all that? And two angels arrive, and they say to these, these guys standing there looking at this, they say, men of Galilee, why are you looking into heaven? He's going to return the way he came. He'll come back at any moment. He says he could go back. He's like a thief in the night. I want to show you one quick thing, too. I mentioned this last week. Uh, one of the reasons that I am celebrating this week, it's called Ad Orientum, which is where the priest is facing that direction, right? I mean, it used to be towards the east, right, because the altar would always be facing east. And the, and the reason we do that as Christians is because the, what we do as Christians is we wait for Jesus to return, right? And so as an act of our worship together, what are we doing? We are all facing east. That's actually not east, but it should be. Liturgical east. Facing together, waiting for Christ to return. The idea being that the priest is not turning his back on you like you're not important. On the contrary, what the celebrant is doing is actually facing with you together as we wait. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because he said he's coming back. And it could be at any minute. And what will happen? Well, he'll save the day. The dead shall be raised. Evil will be punished. Those who follow Jesus will be with him forever in a renewed Eden. That's in Revelation. A new physical, reconstituted Eden. A physical place, by the way. 
And those who reject him will spend eternity in hell, just as they've chosen. But the the point I want you to see today, friends, on this Ascension Day, is that when he comes back, he will literally, literally save the day and put all things to rights. In fact, when he returns, it will be the ascension in reverse. Every eye will see him, Revelation says, and he will come to judge the living and the dead, to punish wickedness, to execute justice, to set the world to rights. Our final hymn today we will sing is, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending, which is a hymn which we typically sing in Advent, but we sing it, I always like to sing it on Ascension Sunday because we wait for Christ to return. So here's the question. It's a zinger. It's important. It's a biggie. Are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Even as we struggle with the, su- the suffering and difficulty of this life, even as we wait in that period of time between when my dad left the room to get his pistol and come back, we wait in that tension, that angst, that worry, that struggle. But even as we sit there, are we ready? Do we take comfort, solace, courage, knowing that someday, at any moment, maybe before I finish this sentence, that was interesting, <laughs> Jesus will return with power and great glory. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, robed in dreadful majesty. To punish evil, to punish teenage kids that beat up kids on front porches, to restore all creation to God, to bring us back to Eden, friends, to to close the circle where there is no pain, no suffering, no struggle. And for that, and for that, friends, we should hope, really hope, really hope for Christ's return. I've told you many times, this um, woman in my former parish in Red Bank, she used to say, every time we'd finish praying, she's this tall, um, Bertha Hollick was her name, lovely woman, a giant of a Christian, all four foot, 160 pounds of her. But every time we would pray, she would say this little voice, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. That's the key. That's it. Come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Save us from this mess. So friends, on this Feast of the Ascension, here we are. We wait. We wait, not in fear, not in not in discouragement, but really in hope, knowing that Christ will return. So be encouraged. Be emboldened. Jesus reigns, man. Jesus ascended, but he's not done yet, and he's coming back to finish the job. The question is, are we ready? Shall we pray, Lord God, Jesus, your ascension marks for us the last event before you return to finish the job you started, to reconcile all things and put the world to rights. We pray, Lord, that you would come quickly. We pray, Lord, that these end times, in these end times, you would use us mightily. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us to be patient even as we turn our eyes towards him, waiting and longing with joy for his return. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.